Amen, church. If it is your first time this morning, can I give you a welcome as well, just like Jeff did? It is great to see you. We've been expecting you. We're excited that you're here, and we hope you, you're really blessed this morning. We hope you get blessed by this place. Um, we make no secret of the fact that me and Vicky have a little kind of competition going on as to who can kind of have the best props whenever we preach. So we're always trying to outdo each other and always trying to think creatively and think out of it. In fact, here's my prop now. Come, look at this, right on cue. My prop, I don't think you can beat this prop. Come on up, Jeff. Look at that, I thought I was going to have to ask you to get up. You, no, no, you've got shorts on. They've not even, they've not even think about that. Um, <laughs> this is my prop. What a prop. You're great, mate. And you are off to the promised land tonight. No, but I'm feeling <laughs> not going to be that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, this guy, right, so I, I joined the church in 1997. I reckon some of you weren't even born in 1997, which is making me feel slightly old. But anyway, I joined the church in 1997, and Jeff had already been here for, I don't know how long, probably a good 20-odd years at that point. <laughs> and um, my, do you know, one of my first ever memories of Jeff was, and I don't know whether he fully remembers this, we were at a party, a guy called Ray, do you remember it? And, and this guy, me and my wife had got involved. There was a, an issue with his family and he needed some help. And we'd got involved to help someone. Ever try to help someone and then kind of got like burned through it? Anyone of you guys, you know, tried? Yeah, yeah. You, you go out your way to try and help someone and then you kind of like, you somehow end up getting kind of, well, this guy was like, I mean, he, he wasn't like someone who I was concerned about. But he was there, and he started being aggressive at this party, didn't he, and everything like that. And I just remember me and Jeff, we, we'd, I'd gone to the toilet, and Jeff walked in. I had even stayed there, and I said, I'm not going to stay there. And he, he, it was something along the lines of, do you want me to kick his head in for you? No, it wasn't quite, <laughs> it wasn't quite that, but it was something along those lines. And I wanted to deal with the situation. <laughs> <laughs> we both knew what he meant. We, we all knew what he meant. Um, but you know what? Listen, I... I we, me and my wife have been very privileged over the years in, in many different ways. And we actually, um, we've become to know, we've got to know over the years some, some quite famous people and some well-known people and stuff like that. We've become really good friends with them. Um, only a couple of weeks ago, we were, I don't name drop, but we were at the house of one of the most prolific Christian songwriters in, in the world ever, apart from probably Darlene Check, you'd say, or historical, I'm on about living uh, kind of songwriters and so on. And, and we're friends with this guy and his wife and his family and everything. But you know, all of that is great and sounds fantastic and sounds good. But you know, this stuff means more than anything else, doesn't it? It really does, genuinely. It means more than anything else because it's real. And you can't fake 20-odd years of friendship, can you? You just can't make it up, you know. And, and, and I just wanted to kind of really to thank Jeff, you know. He, in fact, what, what inspired me was we were sat, I was at his house a few, a few days ago with Sue, his, his beautiful wife, I should say. Is Sue in? She's not here this morning. No, that's okay. I can say what I want about her then. <laughs> And, um, and, and we were talking about a situation, and I said something, and I never, I never even thought about what I'd said. 
And him and Sue just looked at each other and laughed. And, and I, I was like, what, what were you laughing at? And he went, what was it? Something like, Spirit. I don't think he said to him what it was he said. But it was something along the lines of, like, you would, you have changed so much, you would never have responded like that, wouldn't it? And I'm like, what? And, and But this is reality. And this is reality. And it's a great introduction to what I want to talk about this morning. Thanks, mate. Bless you, mate. Give him a round of applause because Jeff really is... He genuinely is a leader in the church. He really, really is a leader in the church. He's a, a committed man in the church. And whilst he may not, he doesn't think much of himself in terms of kind of teaching ability or, or those kind of things. But listen, it's not about competence. Do you realize that? It's actually not about competence. Over the years, I'm sure we've all met so many people that are full of it. You, you name it, you go to them, they know everything. They know everything. They're a waste of space. They're absolutely useless. They're so arrogant, they're no good. And you just can't. It's about faith. In the Christian world, it is about faith. And God used fishermen and the, the least of this world to confound the wise. He literally did that. He literally did that. I, I want to talk this morning. We're in the middle of a series New series that just started a week or so ago, and it is, it's a, I love this title, Change Your World. Anyone want to change your world? Anyone ever had those kind of moments where you've just gone, I want to change the world? It's normally when you're young and you've just gone to Glastonbury or you've just watched a great film or something like that, and you suddenly you're, you're inspired and, and you feel like Superman, you feel like you've got a cape on, you feel like this is it, I can do it, I've seen someone else do it, and I can go and do that, and I can go and change the world. So how do we do it? How do we change our world? How do we do it? Listen, this is a series, so I'm not hoping to give you the full picture of how you can change your world this morning. But what I do want to look at is I want to look at one really important element of changing your world that it, it on its own is not enough. But without this element, you can't do it. You can't do it, okay? There's some things in life that you just go, that's enough, that's really all I need and as long as I've got that, I'm okay. This isn't one of those. You need more than just this alone. Plenty of people have had this, what I want to talk about this morning, and they've still not succeeded. But I don't know of anyone who's ever succeeded at, at anything outside of, you know, winning the lottery. But I wouldn't call that success really winning the lottery. I would call that more luck. But I, I, outside of those kind of things, I don't know anyone that's done anything of great worth, that's ever built anything or, or done anything with their life, changed their world Without this, what I want to talk about this morning. I want to use a character from the Bible to, to explain it and to go through it. Great, great character. I want to give you some, uh, some background to it. I don't like preaching from a kind of pulpit. And, and I don't like to use my, my tablet too much. But this one, I, there's so many notes. I want to get it kind of spot on. So I'm going to be referring to my notes quite a bit through it. But this, the, the background to this story is this is in a book, one of the books in the Old Testament this character resides in, okay? This character is a female, a lady character in the Bible. In fact, there's two women in this story, two prominent women. You could argue three, but there's two that really we'd want to look at and we'd want to focus on. 
The book comes just after the book of Judges. So this is in the history of Israel, in the history of God, you've kind of had Genesis and creation. You've had Abraham who God spoken to and he said, I'm going to create a nation, a special nation. And through that nation, the whole world will be blessed. I am appointing this nation. I am choosing this nation. I'm calling this nation to fulfill my purposes. Now, the, the, this wasn't the only nation, but this was God's chosen nation. This nation was Israel. And then you've got kind of Abraham. He, he, God says, I'm going to create this nation from you and from your seed, from your children and your children's children. It's going to be a great and a vast nation. In fact, if you think about it, uh, this is not really from the Bible, but well, it is actually because it's prophetic. How many nations do you know of through the history of the world that have lost their land completely? They've been evicted from their land, okay, gone scattered around the world and have survived and have then gone back and to, to reside in that land. I only really know of one nation that has ever done that, and that is Israel. For nearly 2,000 years, Israel, they were kicked out of the promised land it, it, just after Jesus died and, and was born and died and rose again, and, and they were kicked out of their land around about 90 AD, 60 AD, around about that period. They were scattered. The Roman army came in and just decimated. They tore down the temple and you name it, and they were scattered abroad. And, and in fact, not only that, you could argue it gets even worse than that. Not 50, 60 years ago, the, the rise of, of fascism and the Nazi dictator state decided, made it their mission their mission to wipe out that nation, to destroy them completely. They went as far as calling them subhuman. They said they weren't even human beings. They said they weren't even humans. And, and they did that to put a mindset into people, to get people on board with wiping this nation out. And then not 10, 15 years later, that nation is prospering and is back in its own land. An incredible, incredible nation. This lady... That, that really this story is about, that a book in the Bible is named after her. She wasn't from that nation. She wasn't from that nation. She was an alien. She was a foreigner. The story goes that there was a lady, a woman called Naomi. And her and her husband, they were quite wealthy. And what happened was there was a famine that came across the land. They lived in the region of Bethlehem. And there was a famine on the land and they didn't have any food. So they decided, the husband decided, as the story goes, that they were going to leave the land and they were going to go and go to another land where there was more food and where they could go and, and be okay and be safe. So they went, they went, and it was a disaster. It was un, an unmitigated disaster what happened when they went. Naomi, her husband, died. Naomi had two sons who married in this foreign land, and her two sons died. So Naomi, you end up in a situation where Naomi is left in this foreign land with, with no husband, no sons. And, and that might not sound, I mean, it's bad enough, isn't it? If you think about it, that is bad enough to lose your husband and your two sons. But add to that that there's no social security. There's no social security. 
She's not at home in her homeland where someone's going to put her up and look after her, where, the, where, where it's written in the law that you should look after the widow because there's no social security. If you like, that was the social security. No, she's in a land where she's got no one to fall back on. And so she decides in wisdom to go home. She decides that that's what she's got to do. The decision to leave uh, her husband, Elimelech, he was the one who made the decision to leave. Now, it was a decision based on short-term pain, the famine that was in the land. But the problem with the decision was, you could argue that it solved the short-term pain, but at the cost of long-term pain. At the cost of the death of her husband and the death of her two sons. The Bible doesn't tell us how that happened. But it doesn't even tell us really much about how they made the decision. But the, here's the key thing I would suggest is this. That it doesn't tell us that this was a God decision. It doesn't tell us that at any point that they went and consulted the Lord. They consulted God. They took wise counsel. And this was a good decision to go and make. This was a decision made on short term pain. They were unhappy in the situation they were in. And so they decided to up sticks and go and go to somewhere else. The grass is always greener. It looked better there where they were going to. And really, you could argue that Naomi was a, a, a casualty of other people's decisions. You know, when I was really writing this sermon and, and thinking it through, and, and the thing that came to me, the thing that God spoke to me, uh, among lots of things actually, but one of them was this, that there will be many people in here this morning, and, and you are, are suffering, if you like, through the result of other people's decisions. Other people have done things, and it's caused you to suffer. It may have been that they've personally attacked you, it may have just been a decision they've made for your family or a decision, maybe even a work decision. Who knows, it could have been they promoted someone above you that, that, that really it was a disaster and it, it's a really terrible, terrible situation. It could be a, a business decision they made. It could be that someone literally abused you in, in so many different possible ways. The thing about Naomi is that there's no record of judgment. God doesn't judge her for what happened. There's no record of it that I can read when you read the story. It's, the book is Ruth, by the way. If you, most of you, some of you will have guessed that. If you've not, the, it's the book of Ruth. And I, I, I really want to encourage you to go and read the book. It's a very short book. It's only four or five chapters long. There's not a long read. You could read it in 10, 15 minutes. But take a little bit longer than that and, and pray over it. But go away and read this book. Maybe even on the back of this and delve in it yourself and, and look at what God might speak to you. But they left God's house. They were in the promised land, the place where God had placed them. And they left that place, not on a call, not because God had told them to go, not because they were going for, for some better reason, because God had a plan for them somewhere else. That this is really important. They left because of short-term pain. That was it. They wanted to avoid short-term pain. And it cost long-term pain. That was why they went. They moved to escape. God in it. And they moved to a place, the land that they moved to, the people that they moved to, they used to sacrifice human beings. They had a, a, an idol, a, a God that they called it, and it was a commandment, if you like, that that nation would sacrifice 
human beings. So that's the kind of place they went to. Not only that, it's a place that they went to where they had literally oppressed the people of Israel. It would be like someone in the midst of, of this oppression in World War II. Imagine the Jews flee and, and fascism had remained and it would be equivalent to suddenly there being a famine in Israel and, and a family decided we're going to up sticks and go off back to Germany because there's plenty of food there. I know Germany's changed as a nation, obviously. It wasn't a long-term plan either. They only, de- they, they only decided to stay when they got there, it tells us in verse 2. If you go and, and, and read the story, they didn't, it wasn't like they'd gone as, on a long-term plan. This was a short-term decision, and it was disastrous. It cost them long-term. In fact, in verse 21, Ruth says this. She said, I went away full. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. What a damning statement on, on what happened. It actually says it caused suffering, but no worse does God condemn her. In, verse, in chapter 1 in verse 10, it says this, it says, it says, no, they said, we want to go with you to your people. This is on the back of Naomi said to her two daughters, Ruth and Oprah, 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 probably Oprah is probably Oprah, Oprah, Ruth and Oprah. They said, she's saying, I'm going home. And they actually, it's a strange thing really, I don't really, not quite figured this bit out, but they actually start heading home. And, and on the way home, Ruth turns around and, and so, sorry, Naomi turns around and says to them, go, go home, go home, go back, don't come with me, go home. And they say, both of them, they say, no, we want to go with you to your people. Doesn't that sound wonderful? And anyone who knows the story, that's a, 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 what an amazing thing. This story is all about commitment and loyalty and faithfulness. It's an amazing story of, of, of those things. Commitment, loyalty, faithfulness, love. Great, great love. And so... In the midst, on the way home, maybe Naomi has a change of heart. Maybe she suddenly realizes that, hey, I'm taking these two girls. And and don't forget, these two girls are not from Israel. They're not Jewish. They're from this other land. Maybe she's worried about, maybe they'll face oppression when they get there. It's going to be difficult for them. Actually, we're going to look at some of the verses and some of the things she says. But they say, no, we want to go with you to your people. And, and I was chatting with a salesman. I mentioned to him, I'm going to talk about, just touch on a little bit of sales here. This is a really interesting thing because what they're saying here, when they say, kind of, oh, yeah, no, we, we want to go with you, we want to go with you, it's a lie. It's actually a lie on Oprah's part anyway. Oprah says she's part of it. Oprah and Ruth both say, we want to go home with you. We want to commit to you. But Oprah doesn't mean it. She's just saying yes. Ever had a salesman and they're pestering you, maybe on the phone or whatever. I I did sales years ago, right? And one of the things that you would find is I did this sales job and it was literally just purely commission-based. And and what you would do is they would keep back 10%, I think it was. It may have been slightly more or slightly less of your wages for what's called returns. So people had 16 days to, to, to cancel the policy. And what you would find is lots of people would do that. 
Because here's the thing about sales, right? It's very easy, actually, if you, you can use manipulation and lots of different things. It's very easy to bully someone into saying yes. It's incredibly easy to do, actually. We've all done it, if you think about it. We've all been in that situation where we're just like, you're saying yes, and really what you're saying is, yeah, whatever, just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm done with you. And I just don't know how to say no to you, so just, yeah, whatever, just le- please, just leave me alone. And, and, and that's what this is. This isn't a real yes, certainly not from Oprah. But what follows is actually great wisdom from Naomi. And you don't generally find this in sales manuals. Anyone who's become a salesman, in fact, there's a a really world famous book called Getting to Yes. And it is all about the goal in sales is to get the customer to say yes, yes, yes. Anyone heard of this stuff? Anyone involved in sales? That repeated yes, 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 yes. And then finally, do you want to buy this? And they've said yes that many times. It's almost a pattern and then they just find themselves saying yes. And and that's one of the things. And there's a famous book on it. But here's the thing. Ruth, sorry, Naomi. I always get these two mixed up. I always want to say Ruth for Naomi and Naomi for Ruth. But anyway... Ruth, no, Naomi, Naomi, that's it, Naomi, it's it's Naomi, yeah, Naomi, right, she kind of, when they say yes, we want to come back with you, she doesn't try and encourage them, you could argue, well, she doesn't need to, they've already said yes, she actually tries to discourage them, she actually tries to discourage them, and she's honest, she's actually incredibly honest, And listen, this series is about Change Your World. And one of the key things you could say about this series is that we're looking at and that we're focusing on, on, although it's not solely on this, is, is I believe the best way that we can change our world. In fact, history proves this. Do you know what the major, major change on the Western world, more than anything else, the thing that has brought the greatest prosperity and blessing to the Western world? Christianity. 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 You name it. I, I, I mean, I've not got time this morning. It's not the point of the message. But Christianity has brought, brought more blessing, more love, more peace, more joy, more prosperity. You name it than anything else. Than anything else. It's been an incredible. And, and Paul's gospel, really. The Apostle Paul. The gospel that the Lord gave him. It has transformed the world. And Naomi here, she's pushing her away. And and one of the things we're looking at with this series is how can we spread the gospel? I don't really like that phrase if I'm on about if I, if I'm honest, because it's got kind of connotations, hasn't it? We've all got ideas we in our minds when we say phrases like spread the gospel. The the word evangelism, I'd love to ban it. I would literally ban, that might sound odd from someone who's a preacher and a church leader. I would ban the world at word evangelism and, and let's find another word. Let's call it something else that's more relevant to what it is because that word's now got negative connotations. Words have meanings and really what matters, we might love it as Christians. You might love the word evangelism as Christians, but hey, guess what? Evangelism isn't about Christians, it's about non-Christians and it's about them finding the gospel and finding faith. So if to them that word has negative connotations we're probably best avoiding it aren't we and using something that's a bit more relevant to them that's more meaningful to them I'm not on about changing the message here I'm just on about using words that make sense to the people we're talking to but here's the amazing thing about 
Naomi. She doesn't try and force these two girls. I mean, even when someone said yes to you, ever found yourself still trying to convince them and, and just trying to make sure you've, you've locked it in, you've made sure that they're, they're nailed on in that decision, they're not going to go back on it. And the way that, that, which one is it, Naomi? Yeah, the way that Naomi does this is she literally does it by saying, you know, you don't want to do that. You, you don't want to come with me. You want to go home. You want to stay well away from me and you want to go back to you. Listen to what she says, right? And, and here's the thing. Think about this. If we're thinking about this from an evangelism point of view, from a, God, what word could we use? From a sharing the gospel, telling people about God. You, you know, one of the major things about the, about the gospel, about the, the, the truth, about God's message to mankind, to humanity, is it's about freedom. Yeah? So why is it that so many of us try and force people into freedom? Am I wrong? Try and bully them into it and yeah, you know, and, and, and yeah, you've got to get saved, you've got to come to church, you've got to be a Christian. I'm going to make you become a Christian, I'm going to pray so hard that you're going to become, I'm gonna, if I could, I would force you to be free. doesn't make sense, does it? You can't force someone into freedom. doesn't make sense, does it? It's completely alien. But Naomi replied, here's what she said. She said, why should you go on with me? Why should you go on with me? Anyone who knows anything about kind of trying to convince people of something. Anyone got kids in here? Anyone got kids who've done wrong? What's the first thing that your mum and dad said to you and that we often say to our kids, why did you do that? Yeah? It's the worst thing you can say to them. It's literally the worst. If you want them to do it all the more, if you want them to be locked in on what they're doing and be even more entrenched in that behavior, ask them why they did it. Because here's what, what, here's what we all do when someone asks you why. When you've done something stupid, you've done something wrong, and someone's kind of stood there going, well, why did you do that? What do you do? You defend yourself. You defend your actions, and it makes you even more entrenched in what you've just done. You actually end up convincing yourself even more of what you've just done. So Naomi, is, she's breaking all the rules. Literally, you name it, she's ripping up the rule book, and she's going, forget that. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to go with truth and honesty. Come on, yeah? She says... Why should you go on with me? Now, here's something else about the culture of the day, okay? So this lady, she's lost her husband. She's got two daughters or daughter-in-laws. They've lost their husbands. At that point, okay, it would be the law that they would marry the next brother. Okay, that would be the situation, okay? So that these ladies, don't forget, there's no social security, so that they would be looked after. It's a different kind of generation. I know, we, we, you know, but it was a different generation. Women were not treated equal in those days. It was not, you know, um, it wasn't more of a man's world. That's just statements of fact. And so it was, it was set up that the, the, the next brother in line would marry them to look after them. She says, can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters. That's love. My daughters. She's letting them know she loves them. She's letting them know you're part of my family. No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and birth sons, then what? Basically, he says, are you going to wait around 20 years till they're old enough, 15 years, however, what long it was in that culture? 
Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not my daughters again. I care for you. I am for you. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord has himself has raised his fist against me. She's in a low ebb here. She's in a low, low place. But look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. And again, they wept together. This was an emotional moment. This was a crucial, crucial moment. The three, the three women together weeping and sobbing because what happens? Oprah says, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. Can you imagine that moment? Can you, have you ever, ever said goodbye to someone at the airport when they're going to emigrate? It's, it's that kind of moment. But they've not got Facebook or Skype. They can't even pick up the phone and give them a ring. There's no postal service even. They may never see each other again. She's literally waving goodbye to Oprah to never see her again potentially. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Clung tightly to Naomi. Now how many of us at this point would have been, okay, I've done everything I can. This girl still wants to come with me. Brilliant. Okay, see Oprah, probably a few tears and all of that kind of stuff. But hey, she wants to come with me. Come on, come along, come with me. No, she still doesn't give up. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people. Even she's seen sense and gone home. Even she's seen sense and gone home. You should do the same. You should do the same. But you know what's amazing, right? And this is why the, why the book is named after Ruth. Because Naomi's a great character in it. You could argue she might make some mistakes and stuff like that, but she's gen, gen, generally a loving character. Naomi, she really is. I'm getting the names mixed up again, aren't I? Naomi's a great character, but Ruth, the book is named after Ruth. And Ruth is an incredible character. She's an incredible character. At this point, right, she's better off going home with Oprah. She's better off. She doesn't know this land where she's going to. She doesn't know the people. Remember the culture. It's not like she can get on Wikipedia and look it up and see what kind of a place it is. And, and let's have a look at some pictures of it and, and learn the language and all of that kind of stuff. She can't do any of that. She doesn't know where she's going. She doesn't know how she's going to be received. She doesn't know. She's a woman. She's a woman. She's not even got a man to protect her. She's going completely and utterly into the unknown. What an incredible woman. What an amazing woman. And here's the thing, right? People of true faith, they stand the test of time. People of true faith, right? They know that being, if, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in this place, or you're even thinking about Christianity and what does it mean and is this stuff relevant, here's the thing, right? To be faithful to God, would we all agree that sounds like a really important thing as a Christian? Yeah? As a church leader, I hear over and over again, kind of Christians telling me about how important it is to be faithful to God. I hear that all the time. 
right? What I don't often hear is how, it is how important it is to be faithful to the people of God. To your brothers and sisters. To those you're doing church with. To those around you. To those that have blessed you and, and, and lifted you up and, and have, have done gracious things to you and have been there for you. To be committed. To be there like a Jeff. Hopefully like I am to him. Those people aren't easily put off. And we've all tried. There's been times when I've said to Jeff, no, it's better for you to, you know, and he said the same to me. And, and then we found ourselves convincing each other to stay and to continue and all those kind of things. And listen, I might be mentioning Jeff this morning, but there's plenty of other people in here that I could mention. In fact, I feel quite guilty just mentioning Jeff, if I'm completely honest, because you know who you are. So many people in here I, I could talk about and I could mention. But true people of faith, they know that faithfulness is not just about faithfulness to God, but it's faithfulness to the men of God and to the women of God. It's faithful to the household of God, to your brothers and to your sisters. Because you know what? If for nothing else, the world's watching. The world's watching. They're watching how we treat each other. They're looking at it. They're seeing how we are with each other. What we do, how we respond to each other and each other's faults and each other's failings and, and the victories and the defeats and all of this. They're looking, they're watching, they're seeing. And it wouldn't surprise me if some of them are looking at it and going, I don't want to be part of that. That, that, that they, because that love's conditional. It's only for so long. It's great until woe beside you if you mess up. You get it wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then, then we'll all get round. You know, we all know the woman of the caught in the act of adultery, ready to stone her. Literally ready to stone her. They're all gathered round. One lonely woman stood there alone, about to be stoned by her own people. And yeah, it's law and she did wrong and all of that stuff. But what they forgot, what they didn't realize was God was there. He was literally stood there in their midst. And they're quoting his law. They're quoting his law wrongly to them. To justify what they're about to do. To justify how they're about to stone this one lonely, no, not innocent. No, she's far from innocent. We know that. Commitment. True men of God, the defenders, they've got your back. They're there for you. They're behind you. No matter what you know, you can rely on them. There's, you don't have to question. There's no question in your mind. You know, you know. And, and you can't. Here's the thing is, one of the reasons I got Jeff up is because you, he, you can, anyone can put on a show for a period of time, but longevity speaks more than anything. Longevity, someone you've known for years. And here's the thing, right, about longevity. You've seen the good and the bad and the ugly. Come on. When it's long, when it's over a huge period of time, you, Jeff knows all the bad stuff about me. 
Flipping heck, he probably knows it better than me. <laughs> I mean, Jeff, he's perfect. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't come up with anything bad about him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> didn't, didn't, doesn't it say in the Bible, no greater love for someone than this, and they would lay down their life for their brother. Doesn't it say that? Lay down their life for their friend. Doesn't it say that? Isn't that, isn't that what we believe in? Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that it? You know, and, and, and think about this, right? And, and it's so crucial because then there's true unity. And the Bible says this, it says that unity commands a blessing. Where there is true, true unity, where there's that faith, that camaraderie, that, that togetherness, it commands a blessing. Everyone, everyone rises. Everyone goes up. Everyone prospers. Everyone, all of us together. And Proverbs 31.10 says this. I, I, I wanted to talk about, uh, we, me and my wife, we pastor this church together. And I wanted to talk about her this morning. And, um, and, and I, I won't. I'm just going to talk generally. Proverbs 31.10 says this, and it's talking about a wife, I know, but guys, guys, listen, there's a book on my bedside table, it's no word of a lie, and it's entitled this, Why Men Hate Going to Church. There's, there's, there's a book on my bedside table called Why Men Hate Going to Church. I saw it and I bought it, I'd heard about it before actually, I bought it because I want to know why men hate going to church, so we can make sure our church ain't like that. Anyone, anyone sound like a good idea? Yeah, this guy's obviously, he's, he's not saying this as a criticism of the, he's actually a Christian, and he's doing it so that we can not make the mistakes, you know. So guys, I don't want this all being fluffy and women and feminine and all of that stuff. There's nothing wrong with being fluffy and women and feminine, but I'm a guy, and sometimes I like to have some kind of, you know, positive masculine role models and stuff like that. Is that okay? To, can I say that? In 2018, is, oh my goodness, I mean, I'm, I don't know, I don't know if I can say that, but maybe, maybe not. It's changing so much, in it? But listen, guys. You know what? This is about mates as well. This is an example about a wife, but this is about mates. This You could stick anything. A, a mate of noble character who can find he's worth far more than a Champions League victory. <laughs> it actually says a wife of noble character who can find she's worth far more than rubies. And you know the result for... For Naomi and for Ruth was incredible. Listen to what Ruth replies to. Ruth replied this. She said, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And your God, she's not even met these people yet, by the way. And apart from Ruth herself. Sorry, Naomi herself. And your God will be my God. Wherever you die... I will die, and, where, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And the thing that I'm majoring on, the thing I'm talking about this morning is commitment, faithfulness, loyalty. I don't know, eight, eight years ago, God gave me a, a promise before it was... I took over the church from the previous pastor. And 
and God had given me a promise that I, I, I would take over a church and and I didn't think it was going to be this church. I thought it was going to, I was, we were all set, me and my wife, we were set, ready to go and, and, and maybe, pat, I don't know, whatever we were having. We didn't know what we were going to do, if we're quite honest, actually, least of all me. And I'm the one saying to Vicky, hey, God said this, and she's like, whoa, whoa, what are you on about? Calm down, we've got a good plan. Saying, well, what's, what's the plan? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know any of that. And and, and so I'm like going to the previous pastor and I'm saying, hey, you know, God spoke, he said this and, you know, and, I, and, and I, I've seen God speak in previous occasions. So I know God's voice. I know it. Anyone who's, who's you know what I'm on about, you're a Christian in here. And then it was like all this weird stuff started happening and stuff like that. And basically the, the, the landscape changed here. And. The, the, she asked me, the previous pastor asked me and, and, and basically asked me to not to do it, not to go, to stay. And, and to this point, I was really excited and I'm kind of like, hey, this is a great opportunity for me. True story, she, you could ask her, I don't think she's actually in this morning, is she? If not, well. And um, her and her husband had started the church and I, uh, and I said, I said, okay. I said, I'll, I'll leave it. And then not long afterwards, I forget the time. I was trying to think about the timing, actually. I can, I can tell you this. I was sat on my drive in the car, and it was a really hot summer's day. <laughs> Apart from that, I didn't, didn't stick it in my diary or anything. But I, I, I remember just being really in, in, in impressed by God to commit. And I phoned her up, and, and, I, and I said something similar to what Ruth said. I said, I'm here. I said, I, I, I commit. I said, if I, I've always got to be a number two. I, I'll do that. You have my word. I'm here, and, and I'm there, and, and that's it. I'll drop everything, I'll leave everything aside, and I, and I commit to you, and then, I don't know, not a few years later, the, the circumstances changed again, even at this point, it, it certainly didn't look like it was going to be me that was going to take over this church, I, it looked like I was going to be the last person, really, Jeff's nodding, he knows he was around, uh, to take over the church, well, maybe not the last person, certainly, probably behind Jeff, but <coughs> I'm just having a laugh here, but, but God just changed the landscape, changed it. And, 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 and just put me in this position. And, you know, the, 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 the story, and, and there's not time to go through the whole book, obviously. So please go away and read it. Let me encourage you to go away and read this story. But what happened is actu actually incredible. I know a lot of you will know this story, but it's worthy of, of going over it again and just touching on what happened following this story. That Ruth and Naomi go back to their own land, and they're there, the poor They've got nothing. They're there and they are poor and they have nothing. There's a verse I want to share with a mate. Oh, I don't think I actually. Ah, yeah, I did. I've made a note. There's one verse I want to share about it. Someone put it in the group. So they go back and they've got nothing. And so one of, one of the Old Testament laws was that when you've got a field, if you're a farmer and you've got a big field, you shouldn't f make sure that you don't harvest everything from the field. Leave, you know, don't go right to the edges is the gist of what it's saying. And the reason is, is for the poor, so that they can go and have something to pick and, and to, you know, so that you don't starve. And uh, so basically what's, what's happening is Ruth is going around the field and she's basically picking what's left. And this guy called Boaz sees her doing it and, and he says to his men, who's that woman? And they explain and then he says, okay. He says, I want you to purposely leave 
some food behind for her, some of the grain so that she can collect it. It's a little bit like he didn't want to just go and give her charity. He was kind of, you know what I mean? You get the idea. We've all kind of done that, haven't we? You know, where you kind of, instead of just giving someone money, you maybe give them a way of making money or, you know, give them a little job or whatever it is you do. And he does that. And then incredibly what happens is it turns out this guy is, is, is like, if you're like next in line to marry into this family, to take this family on. And there's an incredible moment in it. And Ruth and, and Naomi is counseling Ruth and advising her and helping her and telling her what to do. And, and Ruth is talking with Boaz. And Boaz says this to her. He says, yes, I know, Boaz replied. He says, but I also know about everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. She was a foreigner. And she came in faith. You could argue not even faithfulness to God, but faithfulness to a man of God, or a lady of God, a woman of God. And in that, God ensured that she was blessed. Word got round of what this woman had done. And you know what? Word gets round. Word gets round. The good stuff and the bad stuff that we've done. Word gets round. And, and you know, commitment. I, I say this to my children all the time. And, and I say this to, to, to you as, as the church, as people of God. And, you know, God has a, an amazing habit of when you commit to something... And you know, commitment is burning your bridges. This woman, there was no going back for her. There was no going back. She, she wasn't going to get back to her own land. She was stuck there. No matter what the situation, no matter what, what faced her, when she arrived in this land, this foreign land, she committed to it. But God has an amazing, incredible way of when you commit, of then pouring out His grace on your situation. And if you're struggling in a situation, I would suggest that, that question your commitment. Question your commitment. If you're kind of saying, hey, why, why is it not working out for me? Why is this not happening? Why is that not happening? Look again at your commitment level. Where is it? Have you got one foot in and one foot out? Are you kind of, you know, are you, are you hedging your bets? Are you keeping your options open? Are you kind of like, well, I, I'm in, but I'm not all in? Because this woman was all in. She couldn't have been more all in. All in. And, and Boaz, he was a wealthy man. And, and he went to, to in front of the whole people. He actually went, there was another man that was actually first in line to, to marry into this family. And he went to him and, and he said, and by this point, you, you kind of read in this story as a love story. And, and, and I'm not a romance kind of guy. I'm, I mean, I have to watch it, you know. But hey, the World Cup's coming, so I'm going to get my own back on it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching every single game. <laughs> Egypt versus Croatia, I'm there. <laughs> I'm watching it all. Come on.
But this is kind of a love story. And as, you, as you're reading it, you know what's coming. You know what's happening. And you kind of, you, you know, when you're watching a film and, and you can it's almost like watching a film and you're thinking, no, don't let it be this other guy. Even though I know what's happening in the story, I'm still kind of reading it again. No, don't let it be this other guy. And it doesn't. It ends up being Boaz. Boaz is the one who she marries. And, and, and you know, probably the greatest thing about it is this, that they went on to have a son, Obed his name was. And he went on to, and, and actually, you know, one of the lovely things is that, that actually Naomi nursed him. And it was lovely. And all the women were kind of made up for and everything. And, and, and they went on to have a son, Obed. And then he went on to have a son, Anyone know his name? Jesse. And he went on to have a son. Anyone know his name? David. And, and many, many generations later, he went on to have a son called Jesus. 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 This foreigner ended up being in the line of Jesus. She became one of the family, locked in. She was there. She committed. She became a part of the family. She probably got one of the greatest blessings that, that anyone could have had. She was truly, truly blessed. And, and what I want to leave you with this morning as Adam gets up, thanks Adam, is, is this commit. Commit. Faithfulness. If you think it's just about faithfulness to God, you're wrong. I'm sorry to say, and that might sound, you know, if you think it's just about faithfulness to God, it's not. It's not. In fact, when Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, he said this. He said, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, all your strength, all of that stuff, yeah? But then he added this on the end of it. He said in the second commandment, he was only asked about what's the most important one. What's the greatest one? What's the most important one? He added this on the end of it. He said this. He said, and the second one, the second greatest is equally as important. That's to love each other as yourself. To love each other as yourself. I want to be in a church like that. Anyone else? And I think, you know, if we can make sure that this church is like that, I reckon other people out there will want to be in a church like us, like this. Because we are the church, it's us. They'll want to be a part of this. Where we forgive and we love and we're committed and we're faithful and we're there. Let's make sure if we're, if we're wanting to see other people saved and, and become Christians and all of that stuff, let's make sure that we've got our own house in order. Let's make sure that it, this is a good, fertile place, a good, good land where people want to come. A place where they'll want to be a part of it. Because then they'll come and they'll stay. Thanks, church. God bless.